Gregory Warner here to tell you about NPR's new international podcast. It's called Rough Translation. Each week, we're going to take you to a different country to hear a story that reflects back on something that we are talking about here in the United States. Maybe get a perspective shift. Travel with us. Rough Translation is on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, from Southern California Public Radio, reporter Prisca Neely and NPR reporter Kurt Siegler. All right, here's the show. So official. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, y'all. Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. No theme music each week. We start with a different song. I'll explain this one in a second. Today, as Aunt Betty said, two of my favorites. NPR's Kirk Siegler, Chris Keneally of Southern California Public Radio. uh, Because we're in Southern California, taping the show today at NPR West in Culver City. Welcome back, Sam. It's so good to be back. And we're all together now. This is beautiful. Should we hold hands? No. No. You're Whoa. definitely the best dressed. Priska dressed up for the show today. I'm wearing a blazer. Um, <laughs> and a very nice new skirt. I don't, I'm wearing a new skirt. I'm wearing what I wear every day. I'm glad you guys are here. We are here to talk about what happened this week in the news and the culture. And of course, Charlottesville was the big story of the week. But there's some other stories you might not have heard about that we'll talk about here today. But before we go any further, this song, I love it. Do you guys know who this band is? No. I don't. Do you, Kirk? Uh, I feel like I should, but you I should. don't. You know. It's Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, this okay. is a song called Go With the Flow from their album Songs for the Deaf. And mm-hmm. I picked this song and this album because the trajectory of the album is kind of this mock-up of radio you might hear driving from L.A. to like Send- Palm Springs or like Joshua Tree. Hmm. Cool. Do they mock? Do they mock up uh, public radio DJs too? <laughs> no, oh. they should though. And I love them because like they just have riffs for days. They're really good guitar players, and this gets you moving. Although you guys aren't moving. Yeah, no, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick moment to explain the show for any newcomers we might have. There might be some new listeners today that found us from our Tuesday episode. Ooh, yeah. Uh, if so, hi, welcome. Tell them hi. That was a great episode. On Hello, Hello, folks. Hello, new people. We're glad you're here. The show works like this. Every Friday, I get together with two guests to talk. You're breathing really loud, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Let me just step back. <laughs> just sidebar. Both of you guys were like kind of nervous about doing this today, which is so funny what, to me. What do you mean? What do you mean? Not me. <laughs> well, we <laughs> have a lot Kirk. of thoughts. We have a lot of thoughts we want to get out. So we're excited. <laughs> a lot of anxiety, it's, it's more, it's that's more, why we're friends. I am super chill. I am <laughs> super chill. Super chill. Calm I'm fine. I drank some calming tea before this. <laughs> It's true. She put it on Instagram. It's I just saw it. The notes you have, you, you like prepped with your editor yesterday. I'm, it's not important to me. <laughs> I'm actually a little nervous because I have no notes and you guys have notes and scripts. I, I don't want to give it all away. I'm not gonna, anyway. If it gets case. too bad, we'll just kick you out. Okay. That's fine. Cool. That's fine. All right. I was told I was an alternate. <laughs> You're not an alternate, Priska. You're always first in my heart. Wow. Come on. Okay. All right, let's explain the show. Every Friday, I get together with two guests to talk about the week of news, everything, high and low, culture, all the stuff. 
have a lot of fun, and then we end the show by hearing from our listeners who share the best things that have happened to them all week. That's every Friday. So every Tuesday morning, the show is different. You get a different kind of episode. We call them deep dives, an interview with one person or a conversation on one topic. So this week, we had a whole episode Tuesday on Charlottesville, and we only talked to white people, uh, wanted to see how white America can include itself in this national conversation on race. We got some good feedback on the episode thus far. It's still there. Uh, you can check it out in the feed. And there's also a lot of other great stuff, too. We've been doing this show now for a few months. We have some great convos with folks like Sashir Zameda from SNL, Lena Waithe from Master of None and that great Thanksgiving episode, uh, record producer Jeff Basker, who's made hits for the likes of Kanye West and Harry Styles. There's a lot more. Um, I loved those. I texted you about it. You, you know, did. Just my live texting as I was I listening. Appreciate it. So. But even I'm if you listener. didn't give me compliments about this show, we would still have you on. Oh, okay. <laughs> but okay, keep it good, up. Good to know, because now all that's gone away. So check out those episodes if you haven't, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I do need some guidance, possibly. <laughs> all right. I know what Kirk and Priska do very well because they're very near and dear to me. But I want you both to tell our listeners what your beats are, what you cover. So I work for a member station, KPCC, and I cover early childhood education and development. So I'm looking at kids zero to five and the people who care for them. Cool. And I cover rural America for NPR's National Desk, uh, specifically focused on the urban-rural divide in this country, looking at every single facet, uh, the cultural divide, the income inequality divide, and all kinds of things that contribute to this sort of uh, rancorous political atmosphere we find ourselves in. All right. Let's start the show. First thing we always do on Fridays, after the intro and Betty and the music, uh, we describe how this week of news and stuff felt in only three words. I'm going to make Kirk go first. Okay. Well, My three words are on many sides. I've heard that before. Have you? Yeah. These are, of course, the seen as inflammatory remarks uh, by the president after Charlottesville. And, of course, there was the dial it back and then the double down. It's almost hard to keep track of at this point. But. Oh, yeah. Well, and then since the double downing, there's been these weird tweets from him kind of attempting to give... These impromptu history lessons to his Twitter followers, it's like he won't let the story die because he keeps well, he, grappling with yeah, it. Yeah, and this is sort of, it would seem to fit a pattern of the strategy of, uh, I would call it like poking the bear on many sides. Try to, to create controversy. Uh, I think some of the neo-Nazi sympathizers and the white supremacists and white nationalists who descended on Charlottesville were protesting the removal of the Confederate statues, but they were also there They to... were also chanting words like, Jews will not replace us. They were also making the Nazi salute. They were also wearing swastikas. You know, like... It's difficult to make a comparison that, uh, and I think this was probably overwhelmingly seen in the reaction, it's difficult to argue that it's sort of similar. the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the fallout continues. Oh, uh, it, it continues. Just, I mean, this felt eerily like that week in the campaign cycle towards the end when the Access Hollywood video mm -hmm. came out and everyone said, oh, it's over, yeah. it's over, it's over. And then he won the election. Yeah. But out in the country, how closely are people watching this? Uh, how closely is his base watching this? Is the politics in this country so tribal right now that uh, it almost doesn't matter what he says? Uh, we're either on one side or the other. We're in the city. We're in the rural area. We're, you know. Yeah. And from what I've seen, a majority of Republicans were okay with his response to Charlottesville. The Republicans in Congress? The Republicans in the House? or You're talking about generally. the GOP voters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So riffing off of that on many sides, my three words are pick a side. Uh, mm. Because we've seen all this week in the aftermath of Charlottesville and President Trump's comments, a lot of leaders in the country and big businesses have to make a clear stance about where they stand on issues like the ones that were raised this past weekend. And one of the most interesting things I saw in this idea of people picking a side this week is that there seemed to be, at least for a day or so, a rift in the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, over their stance on free speech for all. I mean, for years now, from the alt-right to the hard left, everywhere in between, they've been going to court to fight for free speech rights writ large for everyone. Uh, They most recently defended the likes of Milo Yiannopoulos, the alt-right provocateur. They said, we don't care what your politics are. Free speech is free speech is free speech. But this week, uh, three California chapters of the ACLU, which constitute the ACLU of California, they seemed to break ranks. They said in a statement, if white supremacists march into our towns armed to the teeth and with the intent to harm people, they are not engaging in activity protected by the U.S. Constitution. The First Amendment should never be used as a shield or sword to justify violence. And that was a big deal. So after the ACLU of California said this, uh, the national ACLU was kind of quiet. But the next day, they came out and basically said, yep, We're with you guys. And I think that just underscores how this week in particular, so many folks have been having to pick a side. And that is sort of the remarkable moment of all this, that we're in this sort of fever pitch of fury right now. And not even the fury, like underneath the fury, there is this like all of the news and the various stances and comments and statements just kind of like make you second guess everything. You're like, well, what is right? What is free speech? What is a hate group? What does this all mean? And it's confusing. And things that we thought were set in stone for so long, I feel like a lot of Americans this week are just, like, more confused about it. Yeah. I actually, I haven't talked to my dad about this yet, but I need to call him because he grew up in Jim Crow South, you know, whites only. Yeah, as a black man. You know, yeah. as, a, as a black man. He's 70 now. And I, I just wonder what he's thinking, you know, because it must be so weird for people of that generation to be hearing all this coming up again. Because, like, I, I mean, like, I fought this fight. Yeah. You know? And like, I wonder if they felt like, well, that chapter's done or if they felt like I've seen it happen before it could happen again. I right. don't know. Wow. Are your three words going to perk us up, Priska? Um, no, not really. <laughs> um, my three words are a question. Can we do that? What? I'm kidding. We could do that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's trolling you. This is, why, this is why I had the anxiety. Anyway, no. Um, was 2016 awful? Wait. Was 2016 off? Okay, three words. Yeah, that, that's wow. okay. I thought about ugh, tough crowd here. <laughs> there are rules. This type of um, uh, <laughs> so if I had four words, I would say was 2016 the worst because uh, it yeah. was around this time last year in the last summer. You know, we started the year David Bowie dying, then Prince, Prince then Muhammad Ali, and then you know there was also like, the election Zika, was a hot mess. You know, the election Brexit was happening. Oh yeah, and it was at that point that you know there were all those headlines that like worst year ever. I remember. You know? I wrote a piece being like, is Is it it? the worst year ever? But especially here we are one year later where so so many things are happening and just this week alone there have been so many moments where I'm just like Whoa, whoa. And I just feel like branding any year as the worst, like all of that stuff (laughs) is really dangerous. Does it invite it as like 2017 is the worst? Or 2018? That's not what I said, Kirk. (laughs) Um, But but those are my words just because this week alone I've just been 
thinking about where we were last year. And yeah, the election was rough and we were having a lot of really tense conversations, but we're having even more intense oh, yeah. conversations now. And at the end of this week, full of this awful news from Charlottesville, there's a terror attack in Barcelona right. that killed, mm-hmm. what, at least 13 people? Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like one hit after the other. Yeah. And since I cover education, um, just thinking about the types of stories that we do in response to different hate scenarios. You know, when the election was ramping up, we were doing stories about, you know, hate in schools and, you know, different tolerance less, you know, classes yeah. that teachers were getting and all that stuff. And it's like, are we just supposed to do those stories again? You know, do yeah. you just do them again <laughs> this year? Because school yeah. just started, you know. Yeah. As a reporter, it's it's weird to just see see things happening over and over again. Well. The next segment of this show will be happier. Yay! I promise. All right, first segment in the books. You guys are rock stars. Oh, feeling loose? Feeling is that good? Okay? Yeah. Is yeah. It okay? Yeah. <laughs> are, we little... are we still on? Yes, we're oh, still on. Oh, are you guys yeah. okay? Yo, are y'all good. nervous? Is this live? Have no, we gone to a commercial? Like... <laughs> this narrative that we're nervous is, you know, really something that's being pushed. Uh, <laughs> the, media. the media. The media. <laughs> News media. The news media. media. All right, time for a quick break. We'll be right back with Long Distance, where we'll call a listener and see what's up in their neck of the woods. BRB. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message come from Sunbasket. Sunbasket makes healthy cooking easy. They send pre-measured ingredients that are organic and non-GMO, along with easy-to-follow directions directly to your door. So you can skip the grocery store and still prepare meals in just 30 minutes. Choose from paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, and vegetarian options. Sunbasket has meals to fit every busy lifestyle. Listeners get 50% off their first order at sunbasket.com slash minute. Support also comes from ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is committed to helping employers build great companies by making it easy to find and hire top talent. Using advanced matching technology, ZipRecruiter actively connects employers with qualified candidates in any city or industry nationwide. In fact, 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just one day. Try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com minute. I'm Linda Holmes. And I'm Stephen Thompson. There's more stuff to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour. Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time and what's not. Find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. I want to try a thing that we do occasionally when I have some things to get off my chest. My producer Brent calls it the Sam 15. He says that every day when I come into work, I have something new to complain about, which is usually true. So I'm going to complain now. But the challenge is uh, Brent says I can only do it in 15 seconds. And then he cuts the mic. Um, The clock starts when we hear Lil John. So now it's time. My pet peeve this week is people not minding their roller bags. I've been in lots of airports, and no one pays attention to the space these bags take up, and they're flopping around like a boat with no pilot. It's like everyone forgets. You know, you're walking with your roller bag, and it's behind you. There's a thing that's like 30 or 40 pounds behind you that could knock somebody out. And they never care about it. And then if you hit that roller bag that's rolling behind them, they get mad at you. 
This is it's, a lot longer than 15 seconds. If we continue discussing the 15 seconds for a minute, then what does I that mean? I don't care. I'm mad about it. Okay. I, as a personal belief... Do you have good roller bag etiquette? I don't have a roller bag because okay. I don't believe in them. I oh, have you don't a, even have I have one. a large duffel that is carry-on size that I use. You guys don't seem as mad about you this as I You know what I love I is the inane airport stories that everybody has. I feel like this may be one of them. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> You know, people are always so loudly complaining on their cell phones about their sort of inane airport travel stories. (laughs) Okay, we're moving on. Moving on. Now it's time for a thing we do every week. It's called Long Distance. Nice moves. We call a listener out in the country and ask them what's happening in their neck of the woods. Today on the line from Colorado, Kirk's old stomping grounds. That's right. Hi, Colorado. Well, her name is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. (laughs) Hi. You there? Hi, Ryan. Hello. So where in Colorado are you? I am in Durango, Colorado. That sounds fun. That's basically New Mexico. It's about as far away from Denver as you can get and be in the same state, which is not a flight to Denver. It's just we're (laughs) in the It doesn't sound like the worst thing. (laughs) Yeah. So you're on the phone with me and my good friends and colleagues, Prisca and Kirk. Say hi, guys. Hi, Ryan. Hi. So uh, you wrote to us. You talked about being a woman who is also big into hunting. Mm. What's that like for you? (laughs) Um, It's great because... The elk don't care if you're a man or a woman, <laughs> turns out. Um, That's three words for the week. Elk, elk don't, don't care. care. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's been really interesting. I mean, it's uh, something I love to do, and it. Um, I got into it because I felt like if I was going to eat meat, I should be able to kill it myself. But it turns right. out, like, I love hunting. I love it. Like, when you're spooking around the woods looking for an animal, and you're on this tiny little scraggly game trail and you're going step by step trying not to step on anything and then like bam the smell of one hits you and like stop dead in your tracks like your nose hairs are tingling oh my goodness looking this around is amazing everywhere. storytelling <laughs> uh i've had to explain why hunting's fun a lot of times what uh, a scene but just like you know your ears are picking up you're trying to echolocate and Everything just comes back to something that feels so human and like we were built to do this, like wow. regardless if you're male or female. And I just, I try to convey that to other people. It's like, there's something that you put your identity aside and you just are. Wow. Do you hunt with like a gun or what? Um, I've had some success rifle hunting in the last few years, uh, but this is going to be my first season archery hunting. What? Which is starting soon, right? It is. It is. I got... Uh, about eight more days. That is yeah. so exciting. Sam, I like, do you like use a gun and stuff? <laughs> well, how else do you ask the question? <laughs> what do you use to hide? I'm not some city slicker, kiddos. Um, <laughs> so you got in touch with this because of a story that's important to you where you live, but one that we're not hearing a lot about right now. And it is the ongoing debate uh, between citizens and the federal government over public lands. Uh, there's a lot of public land out where you live, right? There is. It's, I mean, it's everywhere you look. It's part of everybody's identity. All of our jobs and livelihoods are tied to it one way or another. So it's not really just people that like to hunt or just people that like to hike. It's everywhere out where we are. Yeah. So. And just to underscore the everywhereness of it, like when we say public land, most people think like national parks, but there's land that's public that is owned by the Defense Department, the Bureau of Land Management, Forest Service, all kinds of federal groups. And in lots of Western states, public land is sometimes the majority of the state, right? Yeah. it's um, And it's an amazing thing. Like, you know, even if you live in a crappy apartment with tenants on four sides of you, like 
you still have land. Like it's everywhere, it's, and everybody can access it. Everyone yeah. can access it, but uh, the sticking point is what you can do on it once you're there. What kind of things can you not do? Well, it depends on where you are. Yeah. Um, the public lands issue is such a sticking point in states like Colorado, Nevada, uh, for sportsmen in particular right now because they feel as if they're being squeezed, uh, that they feel as if the access may go away, especially if you consider some of the big private uh, places that hunters used to be able to have access to. They don't anymore. But I was also going to say that I think... And that, as sportsmen, they want these lands to stay public. Exactly. Okay. Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty uniform view among most all sportsmen, right, Ryan? Yes, one of the more uniting issues on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, I was just I was just going to say that I think land is the new commodity uh, uh, throughout much of the West, if not the whole country, because they're just our population is growing and growing and growing, and certain forces see land as the sort of the money maker, and the values are going up and up and up. So we're just going to get more and more attention and pressure on these large tracts of public land that's pretty remarkable that have been protected for years and years and years, not and not totally protected. There are many many uses being developed on all the lands but they are all of our lands. And I think that sometimes gets lost in the debate. And I think some people in cities and other places don't quite understand that when you go out to Nevada, Prescanili, you can go hiking pretty much anywhere because something like 90% of um, Nevada is open to all 90%. of us. 90%. Just, wow. just we'll forget just, that. Just are bring you, water. Prisca likes you, to hike. Are you telling me that I... Okay, am I going to Nevada? I'm confused. Yes. Okay. Uh, you should go to Nevada and hike I'm after this show. Yeah, okay. and bring okay. water. Could we wrap bring this up because I need to go to Nevada right now. <laughs> and you have a pretty good example of that in your backyard, right? The Bears Ears National Monument, not too yeah. far away from, oh from Durango. Oh, my God. Bears Ears is so amazing. Describe it for those that haven't heard of it before. Um, oh, it's so hard to describe, but it's, you know, a vast area of uh, semi-desert and the archaeological resources, like, you feel like Indiana Jones, you're like, you feel like you're walking into this area and finding things and seeing things that nobody's seen before, even though people have, because it's just an open landscape that you have access to and can go find um, archaeological sites and see the history of how people lived there. And it's this massive area that people lived in that you can explore. Yeah. So the thing with public lands... One, a lot of this public land, private citizens can use it. Farmers can lease um, like parts of it. It's it's not just the government's. You know, it's it's shared with these communities. But I'm wondering what has changed with the new administration. How has Donald Trump uh, changed this debate? Is he pushing for change in the use of these lands? And this is for um, you and for Kirk. Uh, well, I'll, uh, I brought up the Bears Ears National Monument because I think a, a lot of us who have covered the controversy around it, Bears Ears National Monument was designated in the late hour of the uh, Obama administration, as was another uh, monument called Gold Butte. And so when uh, Trump was elected, he ordered Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, once Zinke was confirmed, to review a number of national monuments. So that, by review, what do you mean? Review, like they're determine if they should not be national lands anymore. Yeah, the Republicans, in particular, and critics of of the Obama administration, say these should have been done by Congress. Uh, the other side will come in and say, "Well, Congress is so gridlocked, we can't get any public lands bills through." So we designated national monuments to protect that land. But I think a lot of that review was spurred on by the Bears Ears National Monument. It's just hugely controversial. How and big touches. is it? 1.3 million acres. Do I have that right? Sure. <laughs> it's big. It's one of the biggest. I love seeing Kirk get worked up. He's tapping the table. He loves this stuff. <laughs> I live and breathe it. Yeah, I think he and I could talk all day. Yeah, yeah. So, Ryan, what are you going to do for fun this weekend? 
Um, oh, man. Well, I have a friend in town uh, visiting, so we're probably going to do some hiking. She's going to show me how it's done on a mountain bike, and if the stays sunny, go tubing on the river. You're living the dream out there. Nice. Not kidding. Come visit. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> hey, well, Ryan, thank you so much. If you make any uh, elk jerky, send it my Ooh. way. Ooh. Elk don't care. <laughs> Hashtag elk don't care. Uh, I do have a good jerky recipe from my father-in-law. So that oh, could snap. Happen. Nice. Good to know. Hey, well, thank you so much, and have a great, great weekend. Thank you, guys. All righty. Bye. Bye, Ryan. Bye. Bye. Listeners, we want to talk to you for this segment. If you want us to give you a call and talk about literally anything, uh, drop us a note. Tell me what's happening. Sam Sanders at NPR.org. Can't guarantee we'll get uh, the drop of knowledge like we just had from Kirk every week, mm, but we'll give mm-hmm. you something. <laughs> I just love the Kirk. Thing. And here's the thing about natural lands. <laughs> Public lands, not natural lands. Okay, whoa, public lands. Public unnatural lands. land. Unnatural. Okay. Now it's time for the meat of the show when we swap some news stories from the week that was. I am going to go first. I, it always feels weird to say that. I mean, you're, you are this the is host. Your no, yeah. it's our podcast, guys. Uh, but just for the structure of the show, I'm going to go first. Okay. And what I've really been into this week is these growing numbers of, or this growing number of major brands that have kind of had to very clearly denounce the alt-right because members of the alt-right have tried to co-opt these brands. There was a really interesting tweet from the folks behind the Got Milk campaign this week. Hmm. Um, Some journalist kind of half-jokingly alluded to the fact that some members of the alt-right had begun to use white milk as a symbol of white supremacy. And the Got Milk campaign had to tweet out and say... As milk processors, we share values of unity, respect, and equality. We won't leverage recent incidents to promote ourselves or our products. Like, even milk is not <laughs> is safe. The, is this where we really are right now? This is where we are. Well, we saw the same thing with the tiki torches yes, this t- week. So they had to come out and so be like, many, we denounce. <laughs> like, any product songs, you know, during yeah, the campaign there were songs. Exactly. You know? And so, like, this has been happening more and more and more. This week, the Detroit Red Wings, an NHL hockey team, had to denounce the the alt-right and white supremacists because their logo had been co-opted by these men. Uh, New Balance, the shoemaker a few months ago, had to denounce white supremacy. Fred Perry polo shirts. The list goes on and on and on. And what I wondered this week is like, how do you handle this as a business, as a brand, when it happens, right? So I called up several marketing experts throughout the week, and I talked to one guy. His name is Daniel Durbin. He's a professor at USC, University of Southern California. And he basically said, really, there's only one thing to do. Like, you have to denounce it, and you have to denounce it quickly. He said it's better to denounce ideas and not people. So it's better to say, we oppose racism than, like, we oppose that group because you don't want to amplify who they are, but you want to say we stand against these things. But I also asked him, I was like, has this ever happened before? There have been marginalized groups that have identified with brands. Uh, for instance, uh, early rap artists identified with the brand of the uh, what was then the Los Angeles Raiders. And then he talked about this one that I had never thought about, uh, Levi's. Back in the 1960s, when Levi's jeans were co-opted by the popular new left hippie movement counterculture. 
But what Durbin told me about this, when you think about the Raiders in hip-hop or Levi's and hippie left folks in the 60s, these were marginalized groups that later on became very mainstream. And the difference today with the alt-right is that it's very likely that the alt-right and these white supremacists will never become mainstream. Uh, Here you have a group that knows it is on the extremes. It knows it's on the fringe. It wants to continue to be on the fringe. And so in that regard, it's in no brand's interest to ever be tied to them. So they just got to wait it out, basically, and hope that once you denounce it, it kind of just goes away. And it seems as if, like, the Internet forgets pretty quickly. But I I, I wonder... I mean, the big question is, like you say, the Internet forgets, but also the Internet inflames and brings voices into the mainstream almost that weren't ever considered, you know, anything. They were fringe. And now they're suddenly the national debate is about you have to condemn these. Yeah. And like what I've also been fascinated by is besides these brands that the right is trying to co-opt, there are other brands just associated with people in the alt-right and white nationalist groups that have taken very forceful steps to separate themselves. Uh, This week, Spotify, the streaming service, took a lot of racist bands and songs off of their site. Um, OkCupid okay banned a white nationalist and said they'll ban all white nationalists. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the... I think Airbnb Yeah, something they too. canceled yeah. reservations for people that were affiliated with the alt-right. Yeah. And then some of the companies that host web traffic and host websites have refused to host websites like the Daily Stormer, which is a leading publication mm-hmm. of the alt-right. Uh, I, you know, I would say... We are drawing a lot of attention to this in the news media, but I don't know that anybody has a real sense for how big this movement really is. And in the end, yes, how, much, right. how, much, how much attention does it deserve versus mm-hmm. so many other things? It's very serious. The rhetoric, the violence, it's all very serious. But how big is it and how much are we pushing the agenda and pushing their narrative even more by covering it and talking about it? Yeah. And we've got a staff, you know, upcoming rallies and protests from the Antifa, the anti-fascists and the, and the other side, the pro-Trump supporters and the white nationalists. But is this sort of made for TV and are we giving it too much attention? I yeah. think is a big question going forward. I mean, also just to even like question myself in this whole conversation, I've been using the phrase alt-right interchangeably with white supremacists and white nationalists, uh, but there's a belief that we shouldn't use that phrase alt-right anymore because it just masks what these groups truly are. Um, we saw the AP this week say they weren't going to use the exactly. press saying no more alt-right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I want to segue now to your story, Kirk, because you have spent some time looking into protest movements and fringe movements on the direct opposite side, uh, the rise of groups such as Antifa and the anti-fascists. And like there's questions now this week after Donald Trump's on many sides comments about just how big uh, these Antifa style movements are. And you've done some reporting into that, right? Right. If you listen to right wing TV hosts and far right personalities, uh, they'll talk as if the radical left is just on the same par as the radical right. That is not the case when you look at the numbers. Something like three quarters, according to the Anti-Defamation League, three quarters of all examples of domestic extremist violence in the last couple of decades have come from right-wing extremists. Gotcha. Uh, very tiny fraction. The, the bulk of the rest is Muslim extremism and then huh. a small, tiny fraction of the left. Uh, so how many, like what percentage point is like from these far-left groups? 
something like two to three percent. Huh. Uh, now that's not to say that's that there the, that, isn't that's potential. There. That's yeah. there. That's there. Um, but a lot of the experts I talk to and people who watch extremism, track domestic extremism, will say that that does not mean that there is not a potential for growth of the so-called radical left. Uh, you mentioned Antifa, the anti-fascist movement. That has been going on, particularly here on the West Coast, for years and years and years. Hmm. And only recently, in the past few months, have we seen a real organized spread of Antifa across the country to the East Coast, to the South. Antifa was, of course, present uh, in, uh, in Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Uh, there are also other groups. Um, there's this whole notion that the left may need to arm itself to combat the right that is so armed, and there's so much attention to that. There's another group called the Redneck Revolt. White uh, stop. <laughs> and they're left? And they're left. Huh. And they're left. Redneck Revolt. What and are they about? Inclusion, uh, espousing, uh, you know, in some sense, this blurring of populist uh, notions for economic equality, but they also believe in racial equality and all kinds of think well, values from the left. Okay, but if you're going to call yourself they, redneck, that's right. not. I don't hear that phrase and say, "Oh, they really want black people." Well, they're they're trying to take the term redneck back. Take the term redneck back. was a pejorative term uh, okay. if you look at history uh, toward rural folk who are working in the fields who had. But if necks. me and Friska founded a group called In Words International. <laughs> advocating for racial justice and equality for all, would you feel like you could join it? I'm not saying that I'm joining this group by any means. I'm saying this group is out there from rural, yes, mostly yes, rural yes, states. Yes. That's that interesting. Are, and, and I also want to clarify that not all of these groups are promoting violence. Many yes, of the many groups of on the left are saying they're reacting to mm. violent protests on the right. Um, but I do think that this is sort of lost that there is certainly the potential for growing violence from the left wing. But it, it, when you look at the numbers, it really pales compared to the right wing. That's not to say that there, there may not be more violence from the left coming ahead. But, you know, we can look back on so many examples. We can look back to the 90s in particular uh, of right wing extremist violence in this country. And I think some of this gets lost in this moment. Things are really bad right now, but things were really, really bad in the 1990s in this huh. country. And I wonder, and time will tell, what the Trump administration's response to all of this will be. We don't know yet. In breaking news that I'm not sure we can spend too much time talking about it because it seems like it just happened, CNN reports uh, that one of Donald Trump's chief White House advisors and someone embraced by white nationalists and white supremacists, Steve Bannon, uh, is out. Is out. What do you make of that? I mean, it's just when we think about what we, where we started this podcast <laughs> and talking about people leaving this week or people disassociating. I mean, it's just another thing. It's just the next. Like, it, when does it stop? How do we keep track of everything? It's, it's almost not surprising. And it sort of if it fits a pattern, it fits this pattern of, well, we do something, we react, we double down, we go back the other way. We're supporting the white nationalists or we seem to be supporting the white nationalists. But no, we're not. And no, we're not. Now we're now this guy now who's we're favored by the, them is gone. We're putting the chief architect out. So where are we headed? It's a bunch of zigzagging. Yeah. It's a bunch of zigzagging. And what does it mean for the groups, especially since all the monument stuff is is still going on in different cities around the country? Yeah. And what is Bannon going to say now? Yeah. Where is he going to go? Is he going to turn on the president? Steve Bannon, we hardly knew ye. LOL, we actually knew a lot about you. I mean, you. yeah, compared to Mooch. <laughs> yeah. Can I take us away from Trump stuff? Time for your story? Yeah. Yeah. My story, I picked something that is not related to any of those things. I picked we a light-inspiring thing. Go there. Um, this week, there have been a lot of gatherings that have been scary or have worried people. A lot of stuff has popped off. This week, school started, and I witnessed a gathering that was really amazing. What was the gathering? Um, 
So school started at LA Unified School District this week, and it's the second largest school district in the country. Yeah. And one of the schools, I just got this press release <laughs> that they were doing something called the Million Father March. So this you already a, got me in tears. <laughs> <laughs> this is a school in South LA, and that they did is a middle school. They had a bunch of dads, men from the community, line the entryway to the school and just like clap for the kids. Aww. And and there was this one guy, and he's just like, "There you go, there you go, like hey, 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 hey," you know, just you know, you're gonna have a great year. And this is part of a national national movement called the Million Father March, started by this group out of Chicago. Oh, because they've been, been doing it for in Chicago for a while. It's been around for a while. Um, this is the first time I saw it. Did you cry? <laughs> here in L.A. Um, and it was just awesome to see. Like, it was awesome to see that many men. It's particularly aimed at black men, uh-huh. you know, to see to give the kids role models to give them. Yeah. But the funny thing is that this was middle school. And, like, oh, and middle school kids hate olds being... 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds are hilarious. Well, also, they think everything is uncool. They think it's uncool. And it was also, like, 7 in the morning. <laughs> So they were really tired. Oh no! And so I'm talking to the you know talking to the dads, talking to the principal. And they're like, "This is the best thing ever. We want to show them. There's a village. All the you know they're just like super yeah. inspired." And then I go over to talk to a kid, and they're like, um, <laughs> "Okay." Uh, and I was like, "You know what? How it's first day of school? How's it going? What's going on?" And they're just like, "This is okay, I guess." Like they <laughs> didn't, cool did to, not want to talk yeah. to me. It's, wait, okay. You know what though? If I were in seventh grade, <laughs> my dad was out there doing that. I'd be like. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Oh, my God. Get back in the truck. Some things never change. (laughs) Yeah. What, uh, in thinking of so many school kids going back to school this week and next week and this month, um, there is a new sheriff in town at the Department of Education, Betsy DeVos. She was one of the more controversial cabinet picks for President Trump, and she's already been making waves in her first few months on the job. How are local school districts like L.A.'s dealing with it and dealing with DeVos, or has she really not changed much for the kind of on the ground? Yeah, I mean, California is just kind of bristling and and ready to go against whatever is coming down at the federal level on so many issues. The superintendent of public instruction was in town yesterday going against all the cuts to after school programs, and he was like going around to school and talking about that. So whatever's going on, and, and that's the other thing is like the budget, you know, we really don't know what's happening. We really don't know. There's all been all of these proposals for school voucher programs and for charter schools. And we really don't know how that's going to trickle down the money that's been set aside for that in the budget proposals we've seen so far. It wouldn't really be enough to get that across on a, on a wide scale. What is one Ed story we should be watching this year as the oh. school year starts? Oh my goodness! Well, I can I have to say that I I would want to plug the kids again. So since I <laughs> cover early childhood, one thing that'll be coming up next month is uh, federal funding for home visitation programs. So these are programs where there are a lot of different models, but nurses come in usually starting like three months before the child is born, and they will work with the mothers to make sure they know how to breastfeed, you know, to prepare the home, to do all that stuff. And a lot of those programs continue until the child is two, and federal funding for those programs is is a question mark right now. All right, time for one more quick break. When we come back, we'll do Who Said That? And we'll hear the best things that have happened to listeners all week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Amazon Publishing and Kimberly Ray Miller's new memoir, Beautiful Bodies. This New York Post's must-read book is a brave and witty examination of how and why we try to control our bodies with food. Miller takes listeners through social history on a search for an objective definition of the elusive ideal body. 
Listeners of this podcast are invited to enjoy a special discount on this title by visiting Amazon.com slash Beautiful Bodies Podcast. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message also come from Southern New Hampshire University, whose mission is to make higher education accessible and affordable online for everyone. If you were considering college, whether for the first time or going back to complete your degree, you want to make financially savvy decisions and avoid financial aid mistakes. You can learn more about Southern New Hampshire University and the top three financial mistakes to avoid by texting EDGE to 554433. Message and data rates may apply. All right, we are back, and it's time for my favorite game. It's called Who Said That? Who said that? Who said that? So because you guys are really good friends of mine uh, in this game, we'll actually have a prize for the winner. Oh, my really? goodness. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. on the line. Now my anxiety is back. <laughs> I thought you were over that. So the game's very simple. I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess who said that. We'll do three today. Winner takes all. You ready? Hands yeah, on well, buzzers. We don't know the prize. Okay. I- I'll let There's you know. There's no buzzer. They can't wow, see us. Wow, you ruined us. it. You ruined they it. They can't see us. They can't see your blazer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's the first quote. He disrespected the Wu-Tang Clan. Who said that? I'll give you some more. I don't know. These are various people that were involved in some legal proceedings this week, or the transcripts were leaked this week. One more. I'm aware of the defendant, and I hate him. I think he's a greedy little man. When I walked in here today, I looked at him, and in my head, that's a snake. This was during jury selection. Uh, I don't know. That guy that everybody uh, hates. Sh- the Suge Knight trial? <laughs> think of some other trials that were in the news. The only thing I can think of is the Taylor Swift trial, but that's no, over. That's, I, that's over. the only thing that I can think of yeah. right now. No, this was the uh, jury selection for Martin Shkreli. Remember him? No. What? <laughs> he was the pharmaceutical guy. He had a pharmaceutical company, and he was jacking the prices of drugs uh, for clinically ill people by okay. some 5,000%. Mm. And he ended what up... What does that have to do with the Wu-Tang Clan? <sighs> I'll get there. So Those the are first two separate quote. quotes. I know, but you guys did not follow this story at all. No. So besides being in trouble for raising the prices of drugs, he also was hated by the public because he bought an exclusive copy of the new Wu-Tang album for $2 million. <laughs> but then he later got into a fight with like Wu-Tang members over whether he might release it if Trump won the election. Like He made Wu-Tang hate him. He made Wu-Tang fans hate him. He made everyone that won wants people to be able to afford their drugs, hate him. Martin Shkreli, most hated man in the world, it seems. Uh, and even people that were going to be on the jury for his trial couldn't stand him either. I feel like Suge Knight didn't have a lot of fans at this point. Well, I don't even know how Suge Knight got in this conversation. <laughs> Next quote. You guys need to do better. Ready? I'm a rapper. I need this car. I don't drive. Who said that? What news do y'all read, Drake? (laughs) We would say something like that. Not Drake. We're terrible. We're terrible. It's okay. You guys have different skills. Yeah, I feel like you should have known your audience. Future, not future. Cardi B. Cardi B. Do you know who Cardi B is? I, I think Sam, you thought we. The, I just like, I think you thought we were like. Pull up Bodak Yellow. B O D A K Yellow. They know this song. While I talk about this, pull up Bodak Yellow. 
Cardi B is the newest woman rapper of note in the 2017. Uh, she's had one of the songs of the summer with this song called Bodak Yellow. Um, she actually came up through VH1 reality TV, and now her rap career is taking off. This week, the New York Times profiled her and talked about how she wanted to buy a new Bentley, but she doesn't drive. She just wanted to have a car that was really nice. That's funny. You know this song. Yeah, I've heard this song before. Kirk, I, I feel like you thought we were maybe cooler than we actually. That's do you know this I had song, the anxiety, Kirk? Because no, I, I don't knew know he was going to do this type of thing, and then I was yeah. going to seem I feel uncool. Like we're getting, yeah, I feel like we're getting outed right now. We're actually really things. cool I and know actually things. know things. I do know things. I don't. Your know three words things. this week are I know things. I know things. That's a really good song too. What I know is a great song. Okay. Do we even wow. need a third question at this point, or are we just going to be publicly <laughs> shamed by you? Third quote. Please try to pick it up. Get it together. Ready, and the quote is. It's going to be over real quick, and it's not worth taking a chance. Who said that? Are y'all going to go zero for three or whatever? Yeah, let's do zero for three, because then we can just be strong in our failure. Just consistency, I think, is important <laughs> these days. <laughs> it's in relation to a big science event that's going to happen early next week, the eclipse. Oh. In relation to looking at it and yes. without glasses? Yes. Okay, close enough. <laughs> Prisca, you win. Blank in relation to looking. So this is a guy named Lou Tomasowski. He's from Oregon City. This week he was in the news because of a story he told KGW News in Portland, Oregon. All about how that time he watched the solar eclipse back in 1962. Lou and good friend Roger walked up to the baseball field to catch the partial eclipse a science teacher had just alerted them to. And I said to Roger, oh, if you stare at it long enough, the brightness goes away. He literally said, if you stare at it long enough, the brightness goes away. Nell Greenfield Boyce did a piece about I, blindness caused by be, looking at the... I yes. used to be so... Ter- I mean, I, I still have You're some anxiety, of most things. a lot of things, but I used to be so afraid of that as a kid because I think my mom once said, like, do ne- never look at the sun directly and definitely don't look at it during an eclipse. Yes. So well, I would, this like, guy walk around it. all... Like, <laughs> we'd have stuff in school, we'd have the shoeboxes out, and I would, like, not be looking at the shoeboxes. <laughs> I'd be, like, huddled in the corner. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in the path of the full But eclipse. people are going. I can't believe how many people thousands. I know who thousands. are driving. It's a Hundreds deal. of thousands. But this dude is now 70 years old. He still has vision problems. Um, he described it as, quote, you know how the news people blur a license plate out? That's what I have no. on the right eye about the size of a Man. pea. I can't see around it. <sighs> Poor guy. Wow. So moral of the story, the eclipse is Monday. Protect your people. Brent, you got <laughs> Brent's writing some copy here. He wrote, protect your peepers. Is that a thing? I get now it is. Also, sunglasses are not enough, okay? It's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, if you want some more info on how to protect your face during the eclipse, NPR's Skunk Bear team has a guide on how to find the right glasses or make your own at home. I would not make my own at home. Just go buy it's some. It's good for kids. But what if you get the cheap ingredients and you mess it up and then your kid goes blind? <sighs> okay. Anyways. So, Prisca, you won. Congratulations. Um, I'm gonna, I feel like no one won here. I might yeah. buy you a beer later on There's today. no prize. No, After if I all, buy you a beer, it's a prize. That is n- Okay. Would you accept Great, this rose? Thanks. Will you accept this rose? I accept the rose. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. All right. We're almost out of here. 
But first, I got to plug Tuesday's episode. Um, we are going to get you the episode that we talked about before where I am inside the offices of The Onion in Chicago. was supposed to be out this Tuesday, but Charlottesville happened and we changed plans and gave you an episode all about that. Check Tuesday for The Onion. It's good. I'm excited to hear that. Thank you. Um, they were so nice. They were really nice. Uh, also, though, if you haven't heard this week's Tuesday episode, this week's Tuesday deep dive, uh, we're really proud of it. Check it out. I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I need to say that. You don't that. have to say okay. that, but thank you. I did. Yes. With that, let's end the show. As we Are you guys still mad and sad about losing the... Were you, Priska, <laughs> you won. Who said hey, that? Sam, I'm fine. I'm just I'm fine. What <laughs> okay. people think? I'll get me. you both a beer, okay? What a guy. What a guy. All right, now it's time to end the show as we always do. Each week we ask our listeners to send us a recording of themselves sharing the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. We have some assembled here. Roll the tape. Hi, Sam. This is Meg from Portland, Oregon. The best thing that happened to me all week was when my 18-year-old daughter said to me, I'm really glad I'll be going to UVA. I want to be active in this moment in history. I'm really proud of her, and at the same time, I'm terrified for her. But this is about her life, not mine. So we're getting on a plane tomorrow morning and flying across the country to Charlottesville, Virginia. Wow. Wish me luck. Thanks. We wish you luck. Hi, Sam. This is Kaylin from San Diego. The best thing that happened to me this week was being able to hear the squeals of joy from my twin toddlers as their father walked in the door after a nine-month deployment. Wow. This is Max and Lucia. The best thing that happened to us this week is... Hi. Yeah. Lucia just turned two years old. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> the best thing that's happening to me this week is that I'm starting my very first job as a full-time high school Spanish teacher. Nice. Congrats. I ran a really awesome game of Dungeons and Dragons last night. Yeah. I took an airplane from Denver to Baltimore without Xanax. <laughs> I got to go to Rockaway Beach with a really awesome guy who is now my boyfriend. Hey. Nice. Hey, Sam. The best thing that happened to me this week was that I got to watch as my 16-year-old son got his long-awaited driver's license and drove off in the car by himself for the first time. Wow. I got to be honest, it's also the worst thing that happened to me this week. (laughs) What happened to that little boy who used to curl up in my lap when we watched movies together? Oh. Hi, Sam. I'm Lisa from Pasadena, California. And I wanted to tell you what made me happy this week. On Sunday, my daughter got married. I know that in itself is not special, but I think it's really special because my new son-in-law is a Muslim and his parents are from India. In light of everything that's happening in the world today, the blending of the cultures was absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. In fact, his mother gifted the women in our family saris if we chose to wear them. I'm going to figure out how to send you pictures and attach it to this. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you want to talk to me about what's happening in my neck of the woods, please call 626-645. Okay, Lisa. All right, we'll call you up. Hey, Sam. um, My name is Greg. I live in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I'm recording this from the Green Canyon. Um, Wow. 
I'm colorblind, and a few years ago, a, a bunch of friends, like 20, went together and got me these glasses that let me see color. Wow. Um, and so I got out here, and I saw a lot of really uninteresting things. Um, and then I put them on, and um, all of these reds and greens wow. and browns are visible. Cool. Um, colors that I didn't even know existed. Oh, my um, goodness. And... Um, just really grateful for what nature has and that I can see it um, and really grateful that I have friends who literally brought color into my world. Aww. That's my great thing this week. And I hope you have a great week. Thanks, Sam. Bye. That's right. <laughs> Bye. Oh, man. That was beautiful. That was so beautiful. Thanks to Meg, Kaylin, Max, and Lucia, Susanna, Mitch, Sarah, Maggie, Molly, Jamie, Lisa. Send us those wedding photos. And Greg, so happy for your time at the Grand Canyon. That would, that just sounded beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, also, thanks to all of those that got in touch to uh, talk about the episode we had on Charlottesville. Um, we appreciate the notes, uh, the kind notes we got. A lot of you said that since that episode, you're talking to your kids about race. We loved hearing that, and I'm glad that's happening. Brent and I listen to every message that comes in, every voice memo, every email. Thank you all for sharing those. If you want to share your best thing all week, you can do so at any time throughout the week. Just record yourself and send the file to samsanders at npr.org. Okay, Mama, we made it. Cue the music. We're done. That's a different... Okay, that's not the song we're supposed to play. Oh, oh, God. Surprise, surprise. Oh, Happy birthday, Yesterday, Sam. Yesterday, oh, Sam Sanders turned birthday. another round I turned 33 yesterday, and I was so honored to do 33 uh, in L.A. Yeah. Some good friends took me to breakfast in the morning, and then Kirk and Priska took me out for dinner last night. We got ice cream afterwards. We did. The ice um, cream I'm doing this thing now where I, like, don't tell anyone it's my birthday and just see what happens. Well, and it turned the out cat's well. out of the bag. <laughs> You're going to have a two-day-after-birthday bonanza. I love it. I love it. But uh, it's good to have like good folks in day. your life. And this is the best version of Happy Birthday. Oh, absolutely. Wonder version. It goes on forever, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this was going to happen. Brent. Surprising. Brent. Brent. So Brent had a bottle of fancy champagne delivered to NPR West <laughs> for me yesterday. Haven't cracked it open yet, but I will today. Thank you, Brent. Love you, dude. All right. It's Been a Minute was edited this week by Uri Berliner and Steve Nelson. Also, special thanks this week to all the listeners who wrote to us about our Colin episode that we're working on. Uh, sorry if we couldn't talk on Tuesday. We had a lot of fun, awesome conversations that we taped then. And we'll turn those into a special episode when we can. I'm burping right now. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> Prisco, could you just take the rest of the... Prisco, will you finish the credits? Yeah. Just read this graph. What? Just read the last graph. I'm going to show you. <laughs> okay, I've been past this sheet. Okay, refresh the feed Tuesday morning for The Onion. It's going to be good, I promise. Until then, thanks for listening. Talk, talk soon. soon. Play talk soon, Kirk. Talk soon. <laughs> that, was that was weird. Creepy. Talk soon. Thanks, guys. <laughs> This song goes on forever. (laughs) 